Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. And I do mean around the world because Ohio State is an international name when it comes to major college football. Uh, my co-pilot for this for this week, once again, Spencer Holbrook, my trusted co-pilot, you agree with, with, with what I just said, correct? Correct. Okay, that's the way you're supposed to answer your captain when he's flying the plane. Yes, yes, your highness, you are correct. Uh, you can use your highness in there if you want to a little bit. But the bottom line is, Spencer, uh, Ohio State comes out with its first big test in the Big Ten, the B1G 10, and uh, passes with flying colors, a reputed heavyweight in the Big Ten, uh, Wisconsin. I'd like to put them on the scale again, man, see if they did come up to that heavyweight or for a little bit more of a light heavyweight after that game. But the bottom line is Ohio State prevailed 52-21. to 21. It was a runaway win from the start. And yet you look at the polls on Sunday, both major polls, the Associated Press and the coaches poll, and you see Ohio State stayed exactly at third, three behind Georgia and Alabama. Uh, Georgia, which had some struggles against Kent State, for sure. Go back and watch that game. Uh, and then Alabama, just doing its Alabama thing. Uh, we all remember when Ohio State barely beat a Notre Dame 21 to 10 in the season opener wins by double digits and drops uh, in the polls. Uh, I guess reciprocation is not what the polls are all about, especially when two SEC teams are at the top, right? Yeah, Tim, I, it's, it's always interesting to me to watch the Alabama, Georgia kind of uh, annual uh, climb up the polls while Ohio state just stays behind. It's, it's, it's always interesting. I'll just keep it at that, Tim, because you know, it, it's almost like those voters go in and they only rank three through 25. They don't really put any thought into one and two. And just because, you know, there's a, they're, they're below the Mason Dixon line. There's no consideration to Ohio state uh, for that number one or number two slot, but I think Ohio state got four first place votes. So that's more than they got last week. And, you know, I don't think anybody inside the Woody Hayes athletic center really cares about the polls. They're, right. they're fun for us to talk about, but I don't think Ryan Day's doing anything other than maybe putting it up as bulletin board material. Yeah, yeah, Ryan Day didn't uh, didn't see the polls come out on Sunday afternoon and go what? That's probably never, never what never left his mouth uh, uh, except maybe, you know, looking at that Wisconsin game and seeing them seeing the Badgers with their number one running back and number one offense still on the field in the fourth quarter just so uh, just so he could get his so to speak. Uh, that was that was an interesting uh, development. Bra Braylon Allen did get over hundred yards about 70 of them on one play. So they still have that bragging right going for him. But uh, bottom line is that was for three quarters, that was about as a, a beat down as you can get in the Big Ten play, right? Yeah, and the first 20 minutes in particular when Ohio State just absolutely wrestled away any hope that Wisconsin had. You know, this was a, a pretty confident, if you read the headlines, a pretty confident Wisconsin bunch heading into the horseshoe and Ohio State had no issue, just completely dominating, taking taking any hope away and, and running away with that thing relatively early. Ooh, no issue in the horseshoe. That could have been Buckeyes have no issue in the horseshoe with whiskey. That could have been the headline. But we digress. Bottom line is, uh, as you look around the country, you, you just mentioned a while ago, it's more like the voters are interested on four through 25, really, because they've got Ohio State pretty much pegged there at that number three spot. And I'm just wondering, before we get into my conversation with Matt Wilhelm, uh, my semi-regular guest on here, and he does a great job. And he, uh, this is, you know, obviously we pre-recorded pre my conversation with him, but uh, bottom line is he does it again this week. We talk about all kinds of things, including the polls. But uh, who is your fourth best team in the country right now? I mean, when you look at the fact that Michigan – struggled with Maryland. I mean, uh, definitely uh, struggled with Maryland. I, I keep telling people Maryland's better than a lot of people think going into this year based on the, the improvements they've made on both sides of the ball from a personnel standpoint and getting a few guys back from last year who were injured. But uh, who is your number four? I still think it would be Michigan just based on whether that's – it's probably based on preseason expectation more than the results because, you know, that Maryland win wasn't always pretty, uh, but they were able to get it done and, and handle that game there at the end. Um, you could argue Clemson because, uh, you know, they went on the road and beat a Wake Forest team that I think is pretty good, but Clemson's got a lot of issues in the secondary and on offense. So right now I would keep Michigan there, but I'm interested to see what Michigan does 
uh, when facing another real team this week in Iowa because, you yeah. know, Iowa can't score on anybody. But they can turn you over. And J.J. McCarthy's a young quarterback on the road, going to be thrown into a secondary that is, uh, you know, going crazy with turnovers throughout yeah. the first part of the season. So does it get dicey for the Wolverines on the road? I don't know. But, you know, we'll see if uh, Jim Harbaugh sticking with Cade McNamara to start the season was warranted based on whether J.J. McCarthy can handle Kinnick Stadium on Saturday. So yeah. they're four right now. But, you know, that could change uh, if we talk this time next week. Yeah, the most offensive thing uh, Iowa's got going for them right now is their defense. <laughs> and uh, it's crazy. Here comes Rutgers. We're going to talk about Rutgers on the flip side a little bit uh, after my conversation with Matt Wilhelm. And Matt Wilhelm and I, like I said, I just hit him up with that question about the polls also, just to see from a former player standpoint, a guy played in the, played on the national championship team in 2002, started linebacker, uh, was on a, a Super Bowl winning team in the NFL in the years he was in the NFL now and has been, a, has been a keen observer of the game and of Ohio State games in particular. Very, very fired up, as he'll tell you again, about seeing number 35 running around out there, the number 35 jersey running out there, one of those heat-seeking missiles. You know, I think you're for, for the Ohio State defense, Tommy Eichenberg, you know, I'm, I'm thinking maybe they're going to change the – the name of this defense, based on the way it's played the first several weeks, instead of the silver bullets, the silver missiles. What do you think? I think that's got a good ring to it. Yeah, they look really good. And I, I don't know what you want to call them. I think I'm going to call them top 20 right now because that's what they are in scoring defense. And they're going to continue to – our total defense, not scoring defense. They're going to continue to get better and rise. And, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's not going to surprise me to see them after this week in the top 15 or even top 10 because I don't think Rutgers can, can move the ball on these guys. So – it's, it's a unit that's going to continue to get better. It's a unit that's going to continue to get healthier with the, in the secondary particularly. And uh, they've got a chance to be pretty special, Tim. I, I, this defense is starting to blow me away, even as as somebody who was high on them coming into the year. I'm even yep. getting impressed. Interesting. Well, hey, let's get to my conversation with Matt Wilhelm, and we'll be back. You and I will have some closing thoughts. Oh, my goodness. Always a pleasure to have my next guest on, uh, Matt Wilhelm, former linebacker at The Ohio State University, a national champion there former linebacker yes, in the National Football League, a Super Bowl champion there. Uh, Matt Wilhelm, welcome back to the Tim May Podcast. Always great to be on with you, Tim. was uh, great to see you down there uh, on the sideline as the team was running out on Saturday night. Yes, it was, man. It was a, what an atmosphere, you know. And, uh, boy, you know, the game against Toledo was pretty cool in, at night in the shoe. i got to be honest with you. I like, I like night games. Uh, I like them a lot better now that I'm not a what you call a deadline newspaper reporter anymore where we had to write yeah. stories and then we had to rewrite stories blah blah yep. blah but i i love that atmosphere the other night i'm not a big fan of the of the all black uniforms and we'll get into that in a minute one way sure. or the other but i want to touch this with you before we get into it uh matt uh ohio state but but as convincing a win as ohio state has had uh, against wisconsin there have been a lot of them, including that 59 to 0 thrubbing or th uh thumping uh, back in 2014 on the way to the national championship uh but uh here's uh georgia escapes a battle with kent state alabama you know who cares uh and ohio state stays number three in the polls your former player you kind of paid little attention to that as the years went on but uh as a season went on but maybe near the end but just what's your take? I mean, uh, you know, Ohio State dropped a spot when it was uh, in the in the, early in the year when it when it won its opener against uh, Notre Dame 20, 21 to ten, and then uh, it has about as convincing a win as you can have to open the season and stays uh, static. I mean, what's your what's your take on that? Uh, I think it's I mean, truthfully, I mean, coming from a locker room player perspective, uh, you, the coaches and the the managers within the football program are you know deviating you from reading the news articles, whether good or bad, right? Yeah. To get you right back on on uh, in the machine to prepare for your next week. Uh, I, and going back to two thousand two, you know, of course, because we had the uh, you know the result everybody's looking for in a national championship. Uh, you know, we started what somewhere thirteen. Thirteen. And just kind of like, and it was really just uh, continue week after week to prove yourself. Yeah. And I know that today's day and age with social media, with the amount of access uh, that people have to rankings and the players have, you could, gosh, I could have not picked up your articles uh, because it was so, we were so reliant on a newspaper. Whereas now your phone is in your pocket or in your hand with, you know, five different social media channels all saying either, as I mentioned, how great you are or, uh, uh, how how bad you played, even yeah, as a player or as a team. So 
Yeah. It's, it's really unique. I think a lot of it at this point is, is just more so for the fans. It's more so for the, the media pundits such as yourself across the nation to kind of see, you know, where does everybody fall in line? But here's the thing. Uh, um, the reason why I believe uh, going back to uh, our win over Notre Dame and, you know, Georgia's, you know, jumping us from three to two, I think a lot of it had to do with uh, the way in which Georgia looked against what was supposed to be a Pac-10, Pac-12 uh, contender. top yeah. team contender in Oregon. Yes. Uh, and, and I do think that some people, and, uh, you know, Feinbaum said it ahead of our Notre Dame game. I think the jury was a little bit out on Notre Dame, and everyone was a little surprised by them being a top five team. And we saw that the week after us, they lose to, to Marshall, uh, Cal, which is a, probably a middle-of-the-road Pac-12 team, plays them tough. Yeah. Uh, at home it was kind of dicey a little early against North Carolina a middle of the road uh, ACC team so um, the truth has kind of come out and I know that was it's it's week by week but uh, yeah. you know getting to the way in which we play uh, I think had having the opportunity to be down in the you know uh, in double a right behind the, the the Ohio State bench these guys are so focused on the task at hand meaning beating Wisconsin and even more so to that's that's the you know the the ten thousand foot view that's the uh, the macro right yeah the micro is winning my one on one battle if I'm the offensive lineman or I'll say the O line versus their D line or our wide receivers versus their DBs uh you know and and so on and defensively getting pressure on their quarterback taking their run game away which we did for probably three quarters until you know we start to speckle in you know some of the the twos uh, yeah. on defense and it's just we are so laser focused on winning our battles, meaning position groups and dominating the guy that we're across from down in, down out series to series. And I got to see it um, probably for the close, the closest since I've been a player on the sideline at Ohio state. And it's just the communication between player coach, meaning offensive line to their coach, uh, coach day and Stroud. If there, re- if it results in a punt or results in a touchdown, they're talking about, and it's not just, Hey, good job. They're talking about a protection on a specific blitz when the Sam walked up and came off the edge and, you know, and I saw one thing and you thought I should have called the other thing. It's like, they are meticulously um, adjusting towards adjusting and working towards perfection. And so up to this point, you know, they've, they have not disappointed. They're four. No, they've got uh, again, another opportunity against Rutgers. And I think, uh, the challenge for them is to, I think, truthfully, not buy into their ranking because if you're undefeated when it matters, it'll all take care of itself. You got to, but you got to do it every Saturday. Yeah, I think they're meticulously uh, trying to perfect, and we talked about this probably after Notre Dame when we were last on, knowing that we had Arkansas and Toledo, uh, and again, this big, you know, Big Ten challenge at night to where. How can we be our best in the games when it really matters? Yeah. And now every game matters, but you know what I'm saying when it's the, when it's Penn state, when it's what we think we're going to get from Michigan state, what we thought we were going to get from Wisconsin. And of course the game against the team up North, it's not, it's not, we got to win the games we're supposed to win. Yeah. Uh, but I think this team is, and I thought Ryan day and his, you know, the big 10 opening conference talked about just, there's a focus about this group uh, because the standard at Ohio state is so high and losing two football games and winning a Rose bowl. While it's great to celebrate, especially the way that we beat Utah. It's just not good enough. Yeah. And these guys are, these guys have a mission much bigger than winning a Rose bowl. What do you remember though, man, back when you guys won the national championship two years earlier, y'all went, uh, I think you were on that team. Weren't you on the, yeah, you were on the night. You were on the 99 team, weren't you? Were you a freshman? Yeah, six and six, no bowl game. No bowl game. To where now the standard is if you don't get to the national championship game and or maybe win it. Uh, wow, Duck, you just put in in stark uh, in stark reality there. What happened, right? I mean, uh, yeah. the standard yeah, is, absolutely. is ridiculous and, now. Isn't it, it? It, is, it, it is. And it's ridiculous high, I think, for, you know, for Bama. I'll say – and I'll say it's really down to, say – five schools probably this year. Yeah. USC, uh, Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, uh, Clemson, and USC are probably now the front runners to, to be the four teams that make the college football playoff. Um, if any of them has a hiccup and loses a football game, regardless of who it's against, whether it's Vanderbilt, 
or Auburn for Bama or whether it's, you know, uh, uh, Georgia Tech in the, you know, in a rivalry game or, or, or Clemson, uh, Clemson this past week, Wake Forest. Yeah. With Wake. yeah. But I think what, what, what's a factor is it's like, I think, and this is where you talk about dro- rising or falling in the rankings. It's also, it's, so it's survival in some cases because yeah. you're getting everyone's best effort each and every week. So it's survive and move on, survive and move on. And it's like, as much as we want to celebrate this win over Wisconsin, like our guys are going to watch this film and it's going to be flushed down the toilet and we are on to Rutgers and they're trying to replicate that same success. But I think what also matters in the college football play is like, it's if you lose when you lose. And I'll just use, I won't use Ohio State losing because I know fans and, and listeners and the followers of your podcast will be like, well, why'd you use Ohio State? I'll just say Georgia. Say Georgia loses this week, okay? They drop from uh, from two to eight because, you know, Tennessee and and, and Clemson and uh, and USC will all, and Ohio State will all bump up a spot. So they'll drop to eight or nine. Yeah. But if from that point forward, if they play the most dominant football and blow everybody else out, beat Bama in the SEC championship game, yeah. they are absolutely in the college football They're playoff. In. Yeah. And I would say the same, and again, just to use that so say Ohio State loses the Rutgers. But then we go, then then we go undefeated. We blow Michigan out. We represent the Big Ten East and blow out whoever we play in the Big Ten championship game. Ohio State's in. So it's also when you lose. And I think that's what happened last year. You looked at, you know, losing to Oregon would not have been anything had we right. taken care of business up you know, up at the team, you know, the, the state up North yeah. and then gone to the big 10 championship, likely been favored significantly by two touchdowns when that we're in the college football playoff. Yeah. So yeah. it's when you lose and how you win and lose uh, that matter in those big games. You know, Ohio state guys though, man, I mean, uh, you refer to it, you even stumble. Is it the team up North or the state up North? And, you know, and, and the funny thing about it is you can't say that word and yet you can say Michigan state. I mean, what's up with well, that? Well, Dude, I, I, personally I mean, they, me, they should be toting the other team up north. Go ahead. Now. Yeah, this is me. This is me. I I stumble upon it because it's not natural for me to say, and yeah. I, but I do it for your listeners and yeah, for I your subscribers, you. right? I and you. I do it for the fa- I do it for the fans, right? I do it because yeah. I know they do it every single day because they are on a whole nother level. Um, for me, I can openly say that word. Um, yeah. and write that word without having to put an X <laughs> where, where the M is, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. because it just takes me a lot. It's a longer text to have to go find the emoji for the X. So yeah. um, it's you, you want them to be good. You know, as much as I want them to lose, I want them to be good because for so long that game meant nothing, you know, in the 10 year run of, you know, uh, with, with Tressel and urban. Yeah. And so you want them to be good because, if you win that game, you are deserving of whatever comes thereafter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just like last year, they were quite yeah. deserving when they beat Ohio state, they were quite deserving to they go were. and uh, win the big 10 championship like they did. And then play in the college football playoff. Uh, I want to touch on this with you uh, real quick before we talk specifically about Ohio state. Uh, sure. Is there a team, do you, have you seen enough nationally? Is there a team out there that really just, you go, wow, now that's that's a other than Ohio. I think Ohio State's a fairly complete football team right now, based on Bone Evans. We'll get in a minute. But is there another team out there? Uh you know, Alabama has shown some flaws, obviously, against Texas. Yeah, this I would say to answer your, to, yeah, to answer your question, I would say the only other team that I think is complete offensively and defensively in special teams is Georgia. Yeah. Um, because of what you said. I watched the uh the Bama Texas game. Their offensive they and it's a lot to do with how much turnover they've had. You know, they lose multiple offensive line to the first, second, and third round of the NFL draft. You, yeah. lose multiple, you know, use two receivers every single year, you know, to the first or second round of the NFL draft. You lose your running backs to the NFL draft every year. And then and you lose your defenders, but you got that pipeline is so full. Um, so I think their inability to throw the ball consistently and have guys wide open, which is what they're so used to because they're just superiorly, they're, they're coached differently and they've got five-star talent. Yeah. So I think that and their offensive line, because they can't run the ball the way they want to run the ball and or, or or throw the ball where Bryce Young's relying on his athleticism a little bit more, you know, by being that plus athlete who can absolutely, you know, beat you with his arm, too. Uh, and they won with that in those games. I think uh, I watched USC a little bit of USC last week uh, when they had that night game. I don't remember yeah. who they played. Um, Fresno I loved, State. Yeah. Fresno State. Yes, yes. I like Lincoln Riley's creativity offensively. Uh, they got tested this week by by somebody, and it was closer than everybody expected. 
I, I think Clemson, as we said, I've watched Clemson. I followed Clemson. Uh, I think they're not the Deshaun Watson, Dabo Sweeney uh, era of Clemson football. So I think they, and, but yet they play in it. Oh, and I'm not trying to say that the Big Ten's up, up right now either. Uh, but they're playing in the ACC, which is a lot like the Big Ten, where there's just a couple of good teams and everybody else is just got to be ready because you have you could be on upset alert if you yeah. don't bring your A game, but you should roll, you should go out there with your talent and game plan and coaching and roll. Um, so, but I would say Georgia because I've watched Georgia, Oregon. Um, I watched Georgia, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago too, and I think they defensively after you know they had I think they broke Ohio State's record or maybe Bama's record of having the most players drafted in the NF in one NFL draft in one season. I think it like eighteen dudes, yeah, um, nine of which were on defense. Uh, or if not all 11, I don't know. Um, yeah. It seems like all 11, but they are as good with new names that have yet to become stars on defense as they were last year when you kind of knew everybody's name. Yeah. And then I think, uh, you know, returning Bennett and, you know, having great skill at, you know, five, four-star, five-star receivers at every position that reloads like Ohio state, like Bama, uh, they're the most complete team. Yeah. And I like Kirby smart. Um, so I would say George is the only one as of now because they've – and I didn't want, watch any of the Kent State games, so it would be interesting to see, you know, how that game – that's the one thing I like to watch is not just look at the score and look at the stats, but the game flow. You know, is, yeah. it, a, is it a block punt? Is it a, is it a fumble, you know, uh, going in, you know, where it really should have been another score? Did you turn the ball over twice in the red zone? Because that should have equated to two more touchdowns or at least, you know, two field goals uh, yeah. for a team like that against Kent State. Yeah, and Kent State – Kent State, though, did a pretty good job of, you know, basically hitting them on the edge. They made them work. Bit. They made them work, and they yeah. made them work. Exactly. Yes. I mean, you know, it, you know, the defense is that good. Don't attack the whole defense. Attack right. attack where there are fewer guys, you know. that's uh, yeah. It took the Mexican Army a long time to figure that out at the Alamo. But uh, that's What's another that whole, uh, how, how do you, how do you, how do you uh, eat an elephant, right? One bite yeah, at a time. Yeah, one bite you know at I mean? a time. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and be sure to chew it. Uh, but anyway uh, – <laughs> Moving on to Ohio State, uh, uh, you know, you, the last time we were on, you were gushing about Tommy Eichenberg wearing that coveted 35 jersey. Nothing's changed. Uh, defensively, this was a team that on paper was supposed to come in here and, you know, be physical, attack these guys, give them that test. You know, this, you know anybody can see this is – anybody could see watching video of Wisconsin before it showed up. This is not – should not be confused with the Wisconsin team from a couple, three years ago. Right. This is a, I don't know what, if this is a team in flux or if a team in development, whatever you want to call it, not quite there. Let's just put it that way. But, uh, sure. you know, now four games in to the Jim Knowles era, everybody was wondering, can this four two five hold up against a power quote power running team? Mm -hmm. And like you said, until uh, Wisconsin left their starters in there and Ohio State had their backups in there in the fourth quarter, Yes, I it think was under under 150 was, yards. Yeah. Yes, I mean the kid got uh, 70 yards on one run to get over 100, uh, just so they could keep their bragging with it. Your take on this defense and its second real physical test of the year, Notre Dame being the first one. But what's sure. your take? Uh, I think it, uh, two words that may be the same and or different than I said uh, coming out of out of Notre Dame is I think they're they're violent and physical, yeah. and the violence. Uh, is what's so great to see because it answers all those questions everybody had about the four two five, which perceived on paper is a softer, more defensive back type of shell. Yeah. But yet somehow, some way, uh, because the players within the scheme, those four down and those two, you know, including Tommy Eichenberg, you know, Steel Chambers, uh, are just so violent. I also think so. I think I'll, I'll go front to back defensive line because I got to see, you know, the games played, you know, one half of the 50 yard line, like right in front of us uh, yeah. when you're, you're sitting in such great seats. Um, the defensive line is no longer reading, meaning engaging with a blocker and reading where the ball is going and then having to disengage and potentially impact the play or make the play, uh, which then is, has a domino effect for a backer like Eichenberg where Eichenberg looks like he's flying around and free on almost every play which means the defensive line is doing their job. Um, they are um, almost every, even on a true rundown, they look like they're attacking the passer, but they're actually attacking the run game. So it's like they're attacking their gaps. They're getting extension. They're getting off blocks, being extremely disruptive. That's the violence. That's the physicality that I just talked about. 
which as I just mentioned, as I moved to the second layer onto the domino effect of keeping your backers clean. And what I, what I love to see as a, you know, former backer and student of the game is um, how you can tell how much study these guys have put into their opponent because of the amount of anticipation and their ability to diagnose and run to football, not shuffle, you know, not, you know, uh, you know, move and re and take, and take your read and then move. It's like it, it, it hits. And it's like, they're like a missile. Uh, and, and that's Eichenberg, that's Chambers, that's Simon when he's called upon. I think Josh Proctor, you know, was like a missile, uh, you know, the other, the other night. And it's, uh, it's so great to see because that's the silver bullet defense that we all have become so used to seeing, you know, our squad on, you know, and for another 20, gosh, 10, 15 years before me, when that started 10 to 15 years after me, and there's been some lulls here and there, but that's to be expected. Um, I just think they're extremely prepared. They're, they're well coached. They're violent, they're physical and, uh, and only maybe that 70 yard run. And I think it was just that busted coverage on that first touchdown when it looked like, mild communi- miscommunication on who was going to carry the vertical, uh, but the play got a little extended. The guy got out right and found, you know, the player behind multiple defenders. Uh, so they all kind of sucked up on the low and they let one kind of trickle behind it, which is what led to, to their first touchdown. But, but otherwise extremely dominant. And I think when you can move down the field and go get a touchdown on your home field, uh, it's, you know, demeaning to a, uh, to a row team, then you get the football, you turn it over, they go score. And you're, I mean, no matter who you are, whether it's Michigan, Georgia, Bama, whoever, you're down 14-0 on the road against the number three team in the country. Yeah. That's, that's not easy. That's and I think it was, a snow, it was a snowball effect uh, that just led to offense consistency with Stroud in the run game. And then, you know, defensively, even more so now, pinning their ears back and being able to go attack a spot which is where their quarterback sets uh, and really not worrying about the run until the game was technically over. Yeah. You know, and going back to your premise, your original premise there too, what's impressed me, and this may not be across the board every play, but uh, with their four down linemen, sometimes just three down linemen, I'm talking about Ohio state. Yeah. I rare, I'm rarely seeing a two gap, you know, a two gap guy. I'm seeing, like you said, I'm seeing guys getting a foot up the field, attacking yep. a gap. I'm talking about defensive linemen. And then the linebackers, like you said, quick to react to where yeah. the point of attack is, but not overrunning, uh, being fairly, being very disciplined, in my opinion, Steel Chambers and uh, Tommy Eichenberg, about where they're going, knowing knowing where the funnel is, so to speak, on that yep. defense. But but uh, I just, man, I, I – that if I was to coach defense, I would coach it like this. I mean, that that would be my defense. Yeah. Yeah. He is aggressive. It's almost like a full court press in basketball from the standpoint of nobody really gets a break. But what really stands out is how often you see offensive linemen having to turn, you know, kind of get out of yeah. what, yeah. what I call attack mode. And oh my God, that guy just got by me, you know. And well, then, I think, and, and that's the way when you think about football as as core, you think you know the. What are the advantages of the offense is a, you know, where the play is going yeah. and you have the snap, you have the snap count, right? So you have that anticipate anticipation um, and having been an offensive coach at the youth level and having, you know, played, you know, running back in high school and being a running back when color flashes quick, yeah. you know, and in your running back because of, you know, they're getting in the gaps it's, and you don't know where to take the football or where the gaps are going to be or where, you know, the whole it's designed to have a hole show up this way, right? Because of yes. a down block and a pull and a trap or whatever, whatever you want to call it. And when it's not there and the opposite color is showing up in your hole, it's you stutter your feet. You start to second guess, you know, what's going on in front of you. And I think that's the disruption, uh, you know, that, and I even, even furthermore, it's like, you know, Wisconsin tried to do it to us without great success, but you know, we're, uh, late in the in the uh, in the cadence, we're also uh, like shifting, you know. So we might show, you know, a three and a five, uh, you know, and a five technique on the backside, and then yeah. as you, you know, blue eighty eight, and then it's like, bam, we're moving down, we're moving down to a one and a three, and then we're gonna, you know, we're walking up the jackbacker and bringing them off the edge, and yeah. so it's that anticipation that's just again, while we do that, while we're violent, while we're playing physical and we're disruptive, it's just. For a team that wants to run the football, you take it away, and then you yeah. allow what we have on our defensive line to pin their ears back and know that they're going. There's a 80 percent chance they're going to throw. 
you're attacking that spot. Yeah. And it allows the defensive backs, you know, some to not have to fit the run and play 50-50 run pass. It allows you to be so much more uh, cognizant of your coverage and responsibilities that, you know, you can break on the ball, you know, that beat faster because you've taken away the run game responsibility. Yeah. And the other thing stands out, like you said, discipline and disruptive. I mean, the that combo is when you can get it going against a Wisconsin, which has lived forever on that cutback in the gap. Yeah. You know what I mean? That cutback yeah. by the running back. Boom. It wasn't there. You know, it was like nope. this gap was covered. That gap was covered because this guy's kept his gap responsibility. It's a beautiful thing to watch. And uh, I know for a defensive guy like you, I mean, you're just wow. Uh, going crazy. I want to ask you this. Offensively, the last two games, the Arkansas State game had its had its hits and misses, hits and misses. Uh, and I think Arkansas State, by the way, was more talented uh, across the board than some people gave them credit because of the talent they brought in there. Uh, they were pretty big and they were pretty quick. But uh, it's been a long time since I've seen an offense this, I don't know, this in sync. Right, all, right out of the gate, two games in a row, uh, Matt. And what, what do you see that you just really like about Ohio State's offense right now besides the obvious? Well, I, th I think uh, I, I alluded to it early kind of in the intro is, you know, I was – we were in the third row right behind the offensive line on the bench, so about the 30-yard line, right where the offensive line comes. Yep. So after every drive, they all come over, they take their helmets off. Um, and it was Coach Alford coming over, confirming something on protection – it was Travion Henderson coming over, concern, con, uh, confirming something on protection or talking through it. It was Stroud almost after every single drive, not only talking to Coach Day, you know, talking to his coach. It was coming over, talking to the linemen, Paris Johnson uh, and Jones and, you know, Weipler about what did you see? Why did you turn this way? Because I thought this and this is why I called that. And they're just they're actively uh, going back to actively chasing perfection to protect their asset, which is C.J. Stroud, because yeah. if they know if they give him a clean pocket. And with the guys that we have running routes, it's unstoppable. I mean, for, for the fact of the matter, if he has time, uh, because we have four or five star you know, receivers that are now developing into NFL level talent, getting open against inferior opponents, Arkansas State, Toledo, Rutgers, uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Eventually, they'll, eventually, they'll get tested, right? But yeah. for right now, we've got superior talent uh, going against inferior coverage. We get amazing protection and a Heisman Trophy candidate delivering the football. It's just they are in sync. I think uh, I love the fact Coach Day is running much more of a pro-style offense than a than a true, true spread. Uh, the one thing that I was going to hit on, if I, I was like, we were going to talk to you the whole time. I was going to bring this up, but you brought up offenses. Um, I love, and this is not to take anything away from him, but, and I'm not looking to try to replace him, but like, I love – the tight end usage in our offense with Kate Stover yeah, um, running those verticals, stressing those safeties, finding those voids in the coverages, because for the longest time we had guys doing it, but the ball never went there, yeah. you know, with, with Ruckert and Stoneburner and uh, uh, gosh, who's the guy in between them. That's playing. Yeah. The kid, the kid in Jacksonville. Yeah. The, the yes, draft Jackson, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, exactly what I'm saying is like, so we've had four or five star talent that in most cases have just been, you know, motion in across and help seal the edge and maybe leak out on a late block. But now we're actually using them as a part of the offense. So it's not, you know, Igukba and Jackson Smith and Jigba and Fleming and Marvin Harrison and Henderson and Mayan Williams. You now have to cover our tight end and Stroud will deliver the football. So yeah. that football can go to any five guys on any given offensive play. And that, that stresses the defense out. And I just love if I'm if I'm a tight end or a, if I'm a tight end who's a junior somewhere in the country who might be considered in Georgia because they've got two five star dudes that are balling right that are yeah. great athletes that are going to be first round picks. Yeah. You look at what Ohio State's doing with their tight ends in their offense with with Cade Stover specifically, and you go, I got to give these guys a look because yeah. Ryan Day is doing something different and they've not done this way a long time. Let me ask you this: uh, You play defense at every level uh, that you can play in football. When you take a tight end like a Cade Stover, 6'5", 260, 265, whatever his weight is, and you put him not you don't you don't you don't slot him, you put him all the way to the edge of the of the formation. He was yep. almost on the uh, one time he was almost it looked like he was almost on the Wisconsin bench. You know what yeah. I mean? A few times. Sure. What does that do to a defense? I mean, what does it what does it do for you've prepared for a 
now you're getting G. You know what I mean? Sure. What? So, for, uh, yeah. So, to answer your question, so first of all, what it what it has to happen is a who normally covers a tight end in right. coverage if, if it's man. It's either a, it's usually a linebacker because they're so so used to being attached to a formation, you know, on the end line right. on one side or the other. Maybe even off in a wing, or even if they're just you know in a baby flex, it's still an inside backer, right? He's got him in some type of zone coverage uh, or a man or a man. Yeah. Uh, but when you move him out, what you do is you force either a safety to pass their coverage or responsibility to to a backer uh, or or the other safety, which may, means you have to like basically go from like. It, it's basically forcing communication by the defense. And, uh, and if, if you, we're already hard to cover, we already have great protection, and we've got a Heisman Trophy candidate, you know, as our quarterback, and you're confused? Yeah. Wow. The look ball out. can the, you look out. So, so then you not only line him wide to force that pre-snap communication, then what do we do? We, we motion him in. Yeah. Do we half motion him in? Does he motion in back to in line in the wing position, or does he motion all the way across? Yeah. And so – Every stop that he could make in that motion is forcing another, like, flowing communication amongst the defense. Yeah. And so while we're worrying about the motion, you've got Marvin Harrison running a route. You've got, you yeah. know, Igukba running this. You've got it. And it's like, or we do it, and he motions all the way through, and we're, and we're just snapping the ball while the linebacker's thinking, oh, I've got Stover in coverage. You've got Travion Henderson coming off the zone block right at you. And oh, yeah. I got a fit now too. Yeah. So it's just, it's the best way to answer it's stress, 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 communication, communicate, and it's more, and then it becomes confusion. So you've got, you're, you know, we're not only better than you, but we're confusing you with our looks, with our formations, with our motions. And we're just, it's just, in some cases, look too easy. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, they ran him, they ran routes with him from wide. One of my favorite things was they, they did that. And all of a sudden they come back and they have Ekbuka come across the, uh, in motion across the back uh, back back and they throw a little swing out there now they've got a two on one or basically two on two wide screen where he got a pretty good yardage chunk i'm talking with kate stover out there yeah the blockers i mean the you talk about delving into a playbook uh real quick for you even 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 a touchdown down the goal line like that is a that is a travis kelsey mark andrews concept yeah we bring in goal line right with stover we go two back we fake the lead, you know, yeah. Stroud has, who's usually never under center, has an amazing fake, you know, holds the ball long enough, 1-1,000, 2-1,000, Stover lets the guys go, gets to the corner of the end zone, two guys come up on Stroud, throws it right over the head. It's, it's just, it's it's toying with the defense. It's stunning. That's why I always, I, 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 I said this to Marvin Harrison Jr. a couple of weeks ago when he had a couple of deep balls, you know, he caught, and uh, he, he put on a clinic that day, but uh it's stunning how in modern football you still could just shake guys wide open by just yeah. basic school schoolyard kind of or backyard kind of tactics. You know, I'm just going to stand here and act like I'm blocking, but boom, I release and I'm wide open in a big time game against a big time a big time opponent. I mean, it's uh, real quick before you go. Is sure. I don't know. How impressed are you by the scheming that's going on by Ryan Day and his staff, though? Because uh, we talked about it at LettermanRow.com this week, too. It's every week there's something really new. But then it's yeah. not just one thing. It's they show you that, and then they have other things. Yeah, they're layering the offense. Yeah, yes. I mean, off well, of I think that, that. You know, like the affirmation two weeks ago and then the other night. I mean, with the wide – with the uh, – tight end and all i mean you you go well you know they've got more coming right but i mean how, how crazy would that be right now for a defense to be preparing uh for this team from a tendency standpoint it's diff it's difficult it really is and you have to i think in some cases you know off off the cuff if i were a defense coordinator you have to you don't stop anything you just try to limit it right yeah. And, yeah. and then you really have to play you know if your defense is limiting our offense your offense better be moving the moving the football, you know, and yeah. potentially getting some points because you know eventually Ryan Day and his staff will figure it out. They've got the talent to get the guys open, and then they're going to make that one big play and boom. And I, and I also would say to kind of put a bow on your question and, and this conversation, I think offensively what's so refreshing, uh, and again, you're there covering it each and every weekend in that building, is I love from afar, and even then, you know, touching and going as I come down for games and seeing, how little ego 
there is on offense. Yeah. Because when crazy? you have a stable between, you know, Mayan Williams don't care if Travion runs for a buck 50 and Travion don't care if Mayan Williams runs for a buck 50 and Marvin Harrison has his day. Then a has his day. Then you get Kate Stover has a day. And it's like, that's just, and there's, and you look at what, I mean, how blessed we were last year to have, you know, a and Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith, the jig, but like there was no hate as I'm Olave or Wilson, you know, propelling myself into the national football league. And I want to ball as much as I can, because the more that I ball, the more money I make. Right. Yeah. But yeah. you've got, You've got a Jigba, you know, a true sophomore, a retro, whatever he was, you know, a true, he's a, he was a true sophomore last year, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Ballin, even, you know, 320 yards receiving in the bowl game or whatever it was, you know what I mean? Essentially stealing the shine off of these guys. And who is he celebrating first with when he scores or balls or points first down is yeah. his brothers, yeah. you know, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. And I think that's something that's very special about this team. I think it's a testament to – uh, what Coach Day has created in that building. I think it's a testament specifically in that room to uh, what Brian Hartline's been able to do, what he, I don't want to say sells, that's the wrong word, what he conveys to these folks when he's in their, you know, in their living rooms uh, as sophomores and juniors, uh, and then what they guarantee and follow through with when they actually get them on campus yeah. is the development, the brotherhood. Again, I was at the game with my son, you know, was able to, you know, he's a freshman. He's not being recruited, but he was on the recruit list partially because I'm his dad and he is a high school age. Right. Yeah. But it was, you know, on the lanyard that they give you with your pass, it's brotherhood, tough love and developed here. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's the brotherhood because even if I don't make it, I've got these brothers that I went to war with for four or five, six years, you know, yeah. from the coaches and from the, from schooling, it's, you're going to get tough love. It's like, I love you. But it's like it's all because I'm trying to make you better. And then you have, you know, the the perfect recipe to be able to develop you so that develop you for the business world, develop you to go get a, a, a job or develop you to go play at the next level in the National Football League. Yeah. And I think it's very unique. Uh, are there more than just Ohio State doing it and doing it this way? Yes. But we can count those schools on our hand. Yeah. Hey, well, my last question. You're a yep. defensive coordinator now. You've seen what Ohio State is all about offensively. <clears throat> what is what is one thing you definitely try to get done? Like Greg Schiano sitting there studying this offense right now and Rutgers. What do, what is one area you try to attack? Obviously, you've got to affect the quarterback. I mean, that's got. But how do you do that? I mean, what what is one thing you think you could attack to at least put Ohio State on its heels a little bit? What what would you do, Matt? Well, I think I, personally, if, if I'm if I'm running some type of four man front, I would never bring any more than five defenders. Um, and what I would, and even some cases, if I were, if a, you know, if four, I, I would, I would try to put is drop seven or eight, you know, because I don't think that you can realistically or consistently get to get to CJ Stroud. It's just too difficult. Um, and the mix of run pass, uh, it's. But so that but then I would so then I want to make CJ Stroud work. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. the only the only success you may have is when he doesn't have his first read or second read, you know, by then you hope your defensive line and or that added backer that I just talked about, you know, bringing five is you hope that they're winning and popping off of that block enough to maybe chase down CJ Stroud, get him off his spot, get him a little uncomfortable. And, he, and of course, he makes great decisions, you know, on the roll rolling out of bounds, extending the play. You know, we saw that the Mayan Williams catch, you know, against Notre yeah. Dame. It wasn't, it was a broken down, non-ideal situation. He leaked out, he popped open, delivered the ball, actually rolling to his left, not yeah. his right. And it was a perfect football. Mayan Williams makes the catch, first down, you know. So but, um, you've got to get CJ Stroud uncomfortable. And how do you do that? I think you, the, the mix and match of, you know, rushing three or four, dropping seven or eight, adding a defender here or there, you know, giving him different look, you know, pre-snap looks, um, and then even post snaps looks, you know, rolling it, but it's, it's not easy to do. It's not easy to do when you don't have elite talent with elite coaches. It's just hard because, uh, and I say this a lot and sometimes, you know, the novice football fan, I go on any play that essentially, if I, if I can know the defense that's being run on any given play, I can tell you the culprit which you know, who's at fault or has the mental error or out of his gap or takes a bad misstep in coverage or his eyes were looking at the wrong thing and he gets stressed by another vertical. Uh, you can find the culprit on every single play on why any play goes for eight yards or more. Yeah. 
there's yeah. one, there's one out there and Ohio state can identify that, you know, yeah. because of the, the double count on offense. And then you have elite talent that makes up for, and they just find that guy. And then when they find them, they abuse it. Dude, real quick. Did, are you on Twitter at all? Did you see the, no. uh, I, did you see the video of Ken Dorsey losing it? Uh, I did. Office coordinator for the bills. I think you know what I'm yes, talking about. I do. Yes. I did, saw it did you have, did you have just uh, what was what went on in your brain? Was it that blitz you came off and just knocked him into tomorrow? Uh, just, no, I know they, you know. I'm not, I don't mean it. You know, you know. No, 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 no. Savage kind actually, of way, but more, oh my more so than he hadn't been right it, since then, has he? Go ahead. No, no, he has not. Now, neither has the entire. I mean, they lost middle. They used lost middle Tennessee, Tennessee State, so they're not even back yet. Yeah, 20, uh, 2002. Yeah, but you yeah. know what actually went through my brain? To be honest with you, it wasn't anything to do with Ken Dorsey and you know that hit or that game or whatever. It was how many times that I've been either a flag football, a youth football, or a high school football coach. And something like that happens that's uncontrollable yeah. when your you, when your players kind of don't make the right decision and it blows your mind and you yes. just you throw your clipboard in the air or you throw the whiteboard in your air or you take your headset off and you slam it down on the ground because you're just in that moment you thought you had an opportunity to potentially win a game and your players just needed to follow through and do what they were coached to do yeah and they didn't yeah that's you know? tough. Yeah. and that's that's the frustration. And I think in, in that case, you know, it's week three or week four in the NFL. It's like, you know, no one's going to be the uh, the 2008 Patriots and go 17 or 18 and 0. It's like <laughs> you're going to drop one to a good team. But it just also good, just shows how much he's invested, you know, yeah. in Josh Allen, how much the Bills are invested because their Super Bowl window is open and how much is on the line against, the, you know, a rebuilt Miami Dolphins football team with, you know, with Mike McDaniels. And the fine line, even against a, an average team in the NFL, is – it is so fine between good. Well, dude, yeah, yeah. I mean, between I mean, one game, and losing. Yeah. If Josh, if they get lined up, Josh Allen spikes the ball, and you give Josh Allen, who's you know uh, him and probably Jalen Hurts are one and two in the in the MVP race through you know, a few weeks in the season. You yes. give him the football, you know, on the thirty-five yard line with one second left. That's an opportunity to win the game. Absolutely, ladies and gentlemen, Matt Wilhelm joining the Tim May podcast once again. It's always a pleasure, and of course, we're going to do it a it, few brother. more times, man. I I really enjoy having you on, man. I really appreciate you. My pleasure. Uh, 30 minutes becomes one hour really quickly with us. I know, man. It can't, it can't help it, man. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's all good. Exactly. But until next time, Matt, we'll see you then, man. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Man, I always enjoy having Matt Wilhelm on my podcast, and now you know why. You know, another proof is in the pudding, so to speak. Right, uh, Spencer? But uh, he talked about the polls and how anybody in their right mind in the Woody Athletic Center has cares not about what the polls say here at the end of September – it's the end of November when you really want to be peaking. And obviously that comes from a guy on the 2002 team, which started uh, that year ranked 13th in the nation and ended up winning the, the college, the, uh, the national championship back then the BCS national championship. Uh, but the other thing he talked about, and you heard him, uh, you know, you got to be impressed with this defense now and what it's doing. We already touched on that in our previous segment, but uh really fired up about the way Tommy Eichenberg is running around and making plays. Uh, and like you and I talked about last week, maybe this isn't, this isn't the acid test for this defense from the standpoint of playing against a physical team, because this is not one of the better Wisconsin teams of, of recent times, but it was still bound and determined to play Ohio state physically and Ohio state won that battle. Uh, and just, you know, just what are your thoughts, man, as, as you look at this defense now? You touched on it a minute ago, but uh, where, do you, where can this defense get better in your mind? Uh, I think the, the the big thing is obviously the corners getting healthy. And if you can get the corners healthy, you're going to you're gonna really going to have something going here. Uh, because, you know, any we talked about it last week. You can always challenge Ohio State on the edges uh, just because you're not going to be able to run on these guys. And they proved that against Braylon Allen on Saturday for the most part. Uh, you can't run you know, between the tackles on this defense. So you're going to have to challenge it on the outside. So if, until Ohio State gets its top three corners back, maybe, you know, t three of the top four corners back, I think you're going to continue to see teams try to to challenge them if they even can. I'm not sure Rutgers can, and I know Wisconsin couldn't. So, you know, that's where they can get better. And then, you know, if, if I could just throw it out there, you know, the, the second team defensive line, uh, the drop-off from the first team defensive line with Mike Hall and with Teron Vincent, particularly in the middle, 
compared to to a couple of the other guys that that, that platoon in there. You know, I think Ty Hamilton's really stepped up and played well, but some of those other guys that are in there, I think they can elevate their play. And if you can get that second team defensive line rolling the way you can that first team and you get the corners healthy, this defense is going to be really hard. It's going to be a tough Buckeye to crack, Tim. Yes, tough nut to crack, a.k.a. poisonous nut, Buckeye. You know, and we talked about this last week. Uh, Caden Curry got in there earlier than in previous weeks in a Big Ten opener. Uh, some guys are coming online, stepping up, right? I mean, uh, Caden Curry, a defensive end, and he got in there, and, he, boy, he held his own. He, he created some havoc just like he's supposed to do. Uh, keep your eye on him, right? Absolutely. He's coming to him. And, you know, they've been talking about him for a while. He's been building. And I think it's it's one of those things where, you know, he's got to earn that trust from Jim Knowles. He's got to earn that trust from Larry Johnson, and Ryan Day. And once those guys feel like he can play at a high level earlier and earlier, they're going to keep creeping him in there and letting him get his toes wet. All of a sudden, they're going to throw him in the, you know, the deep end and, and let him go. And, uh, you know, if a, if a dog's going to bite, he's going to bite as a pup. And, okay, and John like, Cooper. Okay, you know, John it, Cooper. Go ahead. Looks like Caden Curry is uh, getting those teeth ready because he, he's he's making those the moves, Tim. We've seen it before with freshmen. You yeah. get him in there late in the game in the non-conference. Then you get him in there in the third quarter of a conference game. And then all of a sudden they're in there in the first half for a series and then three series. And then the next game they're in there with the second team. And it's that that slow climb of a true freshman that that's so classic, uh, you know, at high-level college football. And uh, Caden Curry is on that path right now. I'm not sure – when that'll com- be complete. Maybe it's this week against Rutgers. Maybe it, it continues into Michigan State or maybe even against Iowa, an offense that is is really bad. Uh, you could see him work in there. So when that happens, I don't know. But I think by November, you'll see uh, 92 in there as a, as a big part of the rotation there. Uh, Agreed. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, that's what's cool about, uh, about college football. You touched on it, and especially a big-time program like Ohio State and Alabama. Uh, Georgia, right on down the line, the young guys, the meshing of the young with the old, and sometimes they're still planting by the young of the old as the season goes on, it, it's kind of cool to watch, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we saw in the opener for Georgia, you know, I don't want to get too national on you, but we saw in the opener for Georgia, Malachi Starks, the true freshman who goes in against Oregon and has an interception on a deep ball on, on Oregon and and blew that game wide open. So, like, you know, you, you see Alabama, a couple of their offensive linemen are starting to make moves as really early in their career. And Ohio State, it's on the defensive line. You're seeing, you know, Mike Hall come off a red shirt and, and work his way into the starting line. Caden Curry starts. So the, the the top of the top here in the, in the country, Tim, they all have really high level experience and veterans on in talent. But, you know, they're at the top when you when you see the true freshmen start to emerge into October. And, yeah. and become parts of that defense. And I think you're starting to see that at Ohio State, particularly on that defensive line. Yeah, and then Jair, Jair Brown and uh, yeah. and uh, J.K. Johnson making their first starts the other night and playing with a plum, uh, in my opinion, uh, in place of Denzel Burke, broken hand or broken bone, his hand needed surgery, and Cam Brown. You know, once a guy gets in there and gets his feet wet and gets experience, you never know how things are going to shake up as the year goes on. That's, that's another thing we're looking at. I mean, they've gotten, they've gotten help from depth that I don't think people thought kind of existed uh, going into this season. We all knew about JK Johnson, Uh, Jair Brown, you figured he was going to be a project a little bit just because, you know, how much work can he get, but man, opportunity to guys take advantage of it. Those two guys did. And speaking, taking advantage of opportunity, Cade Stover had tied in, the more he can, the more he proves he can handle in practice and in games of being a part of the passing offense, the receiving end of the passing offense, the more chances he's going to get. I think uh, Ryan Day and company proved that again the other night. Uh, he had he had the game of games for him so far, four catches, two of them for touchdowns, splitting out wide, doing all kinds of things. He, he was definitely their wild card. And like uh, with this offense, like I said, you know, what, what do they need? to really come on defensively uh, four games in now they're four and oh, a third of the season behind them. Where can this offense make a stride in your opinion? You know, it, it's tough to say. Um, maybe it's just a matter of getting Jackson Smith and Jigba healthy. And then you can go from there. Maybe that's where they need to improve is just getting him back on the field to make it even scarier. But 
you know, I'd like to see G Scott get a little more involved in the passing game and, and add that wrinkle. I think that's coming to to the to the yep. passing game. I think it's coming to the offense. Uh, you know, CJ Stroud's getting through his progression, so there's not really a, an issue there. Uh, even when he didn't have his best stuff on Saturday there in the second quarter, I think he was one of five passing in the second quarter, maybe two of five, and he had the interception. Uh, you know, he he still had five touchdowns and and a lot of yards. And so I'm not sure if I can put my finger on one thing exactly because even in the rewatch you know we all had those questions about dewan jones being able to move around and be athletic in, in the open field we had our questions about you know how these these starting five and their new roles were going to mesh together well they all look just fine tim and maybe it's running back depth that that they need to be concerned about i don't know but i don't really see a hole right now in this this offense especially and i'm not really sure how any defense plans to slow it down anytime soon yeah, but to, just the way Ryan Day and his offensive staff just keep adding a little bit here and there, sometimes a lot here and there, uh, you know they got more things planned. And they, and like you and I talked about on the Monday after, and to me it just just sticks in my mind is uh, Ryan Day is really he's he's not really a guy that seems to be saving things because uh, it's almost like he's got to get more. He's got to get to more things down the line with this offense, but he really likes, it appears to me, throwing things up on video for that next team or those next several teams to have to deal with from a preparation standpoint. Anywhere you go from there, because in the next week, uh, if you're second in line of playing Ohio State, he's going to show you something new again the next week, right? I mean, it's like I was talking with Matt Wilhelm, how do you, how do you really attack that uh, from, a, from a scheme standpoint defensively and, you know, pretty much you you got to get after the quarterback if you can. You can't let them get the running game going, but then you got to cover the waterfront on the backside. That's tough to do on a consistent basis. And uh, that's what this offense has going for it, I think, even more this year than it did a year ago. That's why I think this is going to go down, uh, barring major catastrophic injuries, as the best offense in Ohio State history. And I don't that doesn't mean statistically they're going to over over the top uh, running or passing like they have in the past, but the combo, anybody can see this combo working well, right? Absolutely. And, you know, you see, uh, you know, Cade Stover come across the formation under center and, and kick out block. And, and, you know, you, you'll probably see a pass off of that now in, yeah. in, in the short term or, it, you know, in the future, you'll see, you know, that Mitch Rossi fullback handoff off the offset eye, uh, you'll probably see a fake there and a pitch out to Travion Henderson or Mayan Williams at some point just to keep that backside linebacker occupied. Yeah. You, know, you see uh, them fake the, them pitch the ball out to Travion Henderson out of the shotgun, and then the next series fake that pitch and go down the seam to Cade Stover on the sideline. I think that was in the Notre Dame game. So, or no, that was Arkansas State after seeing the pitch in the Notre Dame game. So everything yeah. you see, Tim, just pl- from this Ohio State offense, just plan on seeing it again, but a fake of it. Yeah, a fake uh, of it, a play action of that play. Exactly. I mean, the next time C.J. Stroud fakes a handoff and and bootlegs to his right, you have to imagine that a couple of defenders are going to think twice before they creep up. Cade Stover take and they take away Cade Stover, and then you've got C.J. Stroud ability to run to the edge and and dive at the pylon and get in there for a, a rushing touchdown. And so, everything you've seen from this offense, I don't think they do anything on accident, Tim. I think they're just setting things up to make it so it's almost impossible to prepare for these guys. You know, you wonder how what's the frustration level of even preparing for these guys? If you're Greg Schiano, if you're Scotty Hazleton, the defensive right. coordinator at Michigan State, if you're, uh, you know, Phil uh, <coughs> Parker and, uh, you know, Kirk Ferentz trying to prepare for these guys October 22nd. I mean, it is, it is going to be really, really challenging for these next few opponents to try to nail down what the Buckeyes do offensively. What What's their identity right now? It's toughness. It's not anything – like it's not shotgun, it's not pistol, it's not under center, it's not power eye, it's not run first, it's not pass first. Uh, it's simply blow people off the ball and get in the end zone. And even in the passing game, Julian Fleming runs over two guys on his way to the end zone in the middle of the field. Yeah. Uh, he also is laying people out trying to block. You know, Cade Stover's out there throwing blocks for the running game and then catching touchdown passes. There's no identity to this team whatsoever other than toughness. And uh, they're doing what they want, kind of flexing on people in the process uh, on the offensive side. It's really fun to watch right now. Yeah, I think your identity could best be summed up as toughness and TDs. Boy, that's a tough combo. That's a tough combo to beat uh, because touchdowns are still 
the the uh, the silver dollar when it comes to uh, big time college football. Hey, Spencer, uh, thanks for joining me again on the Tim May podcast, man. You're a pretty good co-pilot. Uh, we had no loop-de-loops. We had no aileron rolls. You just flew that thing straight and level, man. Appreciate you. Always appreciate you having me on here, Tim. It's always a pleasure. And until next week, ladies and gentlemen, when we will talk a little bit about the Rutgers game, uh, look forward to what's coming on this Ohio State schedule. Will Ohio State move in the polls? Probably not, based on what you're seeing coming down the road. But Alabama has some tests coming. That's going to be very interesting to watch from a national standpoint. But until next week, for Spencer Holbrook, this is Tim May. We will see you then.